Hi there, welcome to Let's Talk Tottenham and the good mood from the weekend with the win over Wolves has uh, now been completely reversed with the news yesterday that Kane has handed a transfer request in. I'm joined by Abby Summers to primarily talk about the Kane transfer and who we get to replace him and what this means for the team and will anyone else leave, what it means for the new manager targets that are coming in. Uh, also talk a little bit about the Wolves win and the back four, Hoiberg, Delhi. And the season overall, feelings for the season overall, which from yesterday have taken a massive, massive dip, even more so than usual. And the, the protests um, at the weekend uh, against Enoch and Levy, and a little prediction about the Villa game. So all that and more in Let's Talk. Harry, please don't go. Hi, Abby. Thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm OK. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, a bit down in the dumps about the Harry Kane news, but <laughs> I have no idea what to believe because normally these stories are on Sky and then BBC, maybe a delay of a minute or two, but it's not really mm. on BBC at all. I mean, what's your take on it? Um, look, I, I expect him to go. I thought it would be either him or Son that would leave. Um, so it hasn't really come as much of a surprise to me. Obviously, I'm devastated by it. He's the one person I'd, you know, give my kidney to keep. Um, <laughs> not just, the, you know, not not just the goal side of it, but just him as a part, like him as a role model, what he means to the club, what he brings to the club. Um, you know, it, for me, he's absolutely priceless. So it's heart, it's heartbreaking that we've got ourselves in this situation. But he's always said, as long as the club's moving in the right direction, he'll stay. Um, you know, I look back on the last kind of three three seasons maybe a bit longer and I think that it hasn't been moving in the right direction um, for quite some time now so he's been patient he's been loyal and you know I know lots of people saying oh you shouldn't want him to leave and it's like well I don't want him to leave but I can't begrudge him for wanting to go and win trophies you know he deserves to win trophies and it's not going to happen at Tottenham it's, ju it's just not um, and it, it won't happen anytime soon and you know what we've built under Pochettino and arguably even under Regnap I think has been un you know kind of undone um from what i'm seeing lately and just uh, it's it's directionless for me at the moment where we are um so you can't expect someone of his talent to stay after he's been so loyal and given everything he's given he's given all he can and he deserves to go and win trophies and if it's not going to be with spurs which it won't be you can't blame the guy at 27 years old for wanting to go and do that no i'd I think the 16-17 season, I, I think that was the season when we finished second behind Chelsea, 86 mm. points. I mean, that was a season, go out and buy maybe two top players to really push us to the next level. I, I don't mm. think that was a season where we didn't buy anyone, was it? I think that was the season after. But... No, so 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 that was the that was the season that we, our last season at the lane. Um, and for me, you know, we sold Carl Walker. And yes, we did replace Walker, but not to the level Walker was at. And I, I didn't really have a, a grievance then but my, my grievance came that second season um sorry the end of the first season at Wembley and you know you could see there were certain areas that we really need to improve on and at that point I thought it was only maybe two or three players we needed to you know bring in um, and obviously we didn't really do we didn't do anything um and then of course we got to a Champions League final that following season by <laughs> some miracle of God um, and again, these things, these, these things papered over cracks. But for me, even getting to the Champions League final, this, you know, you saw from the January time of 2019, the squad was in urgent need of refreshing. And my, my problem is always the same with Spurs that, and this board and, and chairman, that they're very reactive and they're not proactive. And I think if you run a football club being reactive, 
you're never going to achieve anything that you are going to want to achieve. And I think that that's where Pochettino was always butting heads with Daniel Levy on that topic, because, you know, if, if he wants to refresh the squad, whether it, you know, bringing in Davison Sanchez and trying to get rid of Toby Oliveira, not saying it's the correct decision, but you could see he was trying to bring in younger, fresher legs. Um, and at that time, arguably, Toby still had enough time and, and years left in him to, to still play at the level. Um, but just as an example like that, you could see what he wanted to do. But on the flip side, it always comes back to our recruitment. If you're constantly going to keep buying your third, fourth, fifth choices, then you're going to get third, fourth, fifth results and not first or second. You know, if you if you constantly cut corners and you try and recruit players from, you know, back end of a Belgian league or a Dutch league or anything like that, it doesn't bring pedigree with you. And that's not being disrespectful to the players. But if you look at Spurs and where Spurs have gone to under Pochettino and their development, you know, not just Pochettino, even under Harry Redknapp, under Martin Yol, and the steps we've taken, it always gets to a certain point with Spurs where they're doing really well. And they just need one or two things to get them over the line, a bit of pedigree. And you never get it. No. You get, you know, a bargain buy or someone for the sake of it that doesn't impact the team, doesn't do anything really. So for me, we're in this position purely for one reason and one reason only, and it always comes back to the board and the lack of investment, the lack of good investment and good recruitment. Um, and unfortunately, they've got blood on their hands when it comes to someone like Harry Kane. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, not, not just on Harry Kane, but the situation the club is in now. You know, we had stability for the first time in a very long time and everything's going great. And all Pochettino needed was a little bit of backing, the right backing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not to say Pochettino was, you know, blameless in certain situations. We, we all can probably appreciate he made wrong substitutions at times, late substitutions, strange tactics in big games. OK, um, but, you know, as overall, I'd say that the fact that our fan base is still upset about that sucking shows you that he did far more good um, than bad. And I think that Jose, the Jose Mourinho appointment for me, even going back to the beginning, it was bizarre because you start, you're getting a checkbook manager with a club that don't really have a checkbook. So, again, it's just we've just taken so many steps back and it's just yeah. it's just a shame, just a real shame. I think the Mourinho in was to win a trophy because that's what he does, which makes it even more ridiculous. It's, he's the only manager in history to have beaten Pep Guardiola in a final and then he gets sacked six days before a final against <laughs> said manager. He's brought in to win a trophy, his first chance at doing it, and he's fired, which for me, just what was the point in bringing Mourinho in? Uh, I, I, know, well, I know Pochettino was struggling, and, and that's partly his fault, but a lot of the blame goes to Enoch and Levy, like you said. And I, I think you nailed it on the head. I, I think there has been investment, a lot of investment by him, but it's the wrong investment. Uh, hmm, but it's cut. It's cutting corners. It's cutting yeah. corners. You know, and I under, I, I never buy this that Spurs have no money. Spurs have money. Believe me. You know, I, I was lucky enough to do an interview with Harry Redknapp last year, um, and Harry openly said that you know Roman Abramovich and Joe Lewis are arguably matched in terms of financial clout. But the difference is, is that Joe Lewis doesn't put it back into the club, and I know factually that the money that's gone back into the club over the last nine, 10 years has been generated by the success of the managers, arguably a large chunk by Pochettino in what he managed to build. So when you have a, an owner that doesn't utilise what he's there to do fundamentally, and he wants to run it as a business, he makes his money and he sits on his yacht, fine. But you can't then argue with disgruntled fans, you know, who give every last penny to go and watch their team and love their club with such passion 
that you know look at the decline we've had from what we've built and we all know where we were in the 90s and you know the early 2000s you know I remember being at school and I was one of the only Spurs fans at my school everyone loved United everyone loved Arsenal that that was the way it was and to you know get your team by 2010 to being in the Champions League to building something to you know your style of football was great everything and it's just what are you doing managing a club if you only want to balance the books you know it's just football is passionate football might generate more money than anything but at the end of the day if you're going to manage a club which people put their heart and soul into give some of it back put it on the pitch you know give them something to go and believe in if you're going to charge extortionate prices as well please just give us something I, I just don't think they care about that i think you said it yourself run it as a business i think i think if you ask them have you been successful in your time at Tottenham, i think they'd say yes because i think they bought it for 22 million it's now worth in the billions so in terms of a financial standpoint they've been a massive mm. success but it, it's financial in their pocket but mm. you've obviously got two i think you've got two points if you run a football club you've got to be financially stable and you've got to get the results on the pitch which i think He's not really bothered about that. It's just, well, I've got my money. I'm the most highly paid uh, chairman in the league when I don't really do a huge amount. And I've always said, I, I, I don't think he's the worst chairman in the world because I think he has made us financially stable. Obviously, coronavirus is going to have an effect in that. But he's made a lot of mistakes. But this ESL stuff, and I mean, <laughs> I read the apology, which my, my friend's boy, well, I could get a bit of apology from her because there wasn't one. And it's just, he doesn't care about the fans, I don't think, at all. He doesn't even no. regard the fans as anywhere near his level of stature. So it's like, well, I'm not apologising to them. Who are they? But no, because I have to say, look, if you look at the ESL thing from a completely selfish perspective, yes, it would have been fantastic for Spurs. Of course it would have been. You know, the injection of money and what that would have meant for the club, fantastic. But you can't undermine the whole of football and the football pyramid for your exactly. own benefit or, or six club benefit that's just morally wrong and that just shows you how you know the game is so far gone in terms of what is makes the game beautiful it's just become very very ugly and that's also to do with sky and to do with bt and all the tv money that goes into it then they can't be held blameless for it i know they're flying the flag for anti-esl but at the same time they're the ones that started the ball rolling with all these mm. money the money injections into, into football um, and I think when it comes to Daniel Levy, we have a very big issue where our chairman owns a large share of the club. So everyone, I appreciate them going to the protest. I, I want to protest. I want my voice to be heard. I've been banging this Enoch drum for years. And it's not to say I don't appreciate what they've done off the pitch. We have a fantastic stadium, a fantastic training ground. But I guarantee you, if you ask everyone, would you rather have the old training ground on the old stadium and have beautiful football and stability and good, good football and you know, a manager and a chairman that love the club, I reckon we'd all be very happy still at White Hart Lane. Yeah. Um, and the whole, and I understand it's been, you know, coronavirus and there's been corruptions, but I don't think it would have made any difference if coronavirus would have been there or not. I think that if you think back to the games just before Corona hit, I was at that game against Norwich in the cup. It was so toxic that night when Eric Dyer jumped into yeah. the stand. And if anything, I actually think coronavirus benefited Spurs, the fact that they had the break um, in, in a weird way, just to, you know, let, tensions die down and stuff um but I, I don't know it's very difficult when the chairman and the club don't want to match their ambition on the pitch and if they were smart you know if they want to sell the club as far as I'm aware they do want to sell the club um but where it was valued at pre-corona we we're in 2019 you know we just got to a Champions League final we still had Champions League football we still were not in the position we're in now um and it was arguably a lot more attractive 
to, to demand the money they wanted for it. But now you fast forward to 2021, after coronavirus, nowhere near the Champions League, your best player is probably, is most likely leaving. Um, and you've got no manager. You've, what? <laughs> <laughs> and if they just would have given investment at the right time, you know, a little bit of good investment goes a very long way in whether in terms of they want to sell it, being a more attractive outfit to sell, you know, finishing in the top four spots. You'd get a lot more buyers if you were looking um, and, and you were able to do that. But we're so far off the pace. And I just can't. When I look at the table, I can't believe that we that we were even, you know, still there or thereabouts for Champions League. when everyone's raving about Chelsea's season and West Ham's season, how amazing they've been. And I think, oh, my God, we've had the most awful season and we're still somewhere there. Yeah. I can't believe that. Well, I think next season you might be looking a bit further down, but uh, I reckon so. But I mean, Jose Mourinho has won God knows how many trophies. He's a manager that kind of demands all of this and all of that. Even he was then going, "Well, we can't afford anybody." If 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 someone like him can't get Levy to change his attitude, mind, or whatever, is there any hope for anybody? Oh, are we just going to be constantly having this conversation about Enoch don't spend what needs to be spent and don't get the manager, the, the players that the manager wants every time there's a new manager? Or is there something yeah, that I, we can <laughs> kick in? No, it's look, we've what 20, we had how many years is Daniel Levy? 21, 22 years, and it's been the same topic with every single manager. And my God, we've had a lot of managers in that time. <laughs> um, so it does, in my opinion, it's an endless cycle. Like, you know, you get to a certain point, you need the, the correct investment, it drops back down because you don't get it. And then you sack the manager, you get a new manager, you go on a bit of a roll again, you get to a certain point, you need the, you need the injection of, of good of, of good of good players, and again, nothing happens, you sack the manager. And it's the same cycle. So whilst that board and that, you know, that ethos is is there and how they want to run it, nothing will change. And it's just insanity that that old saying when you keep repeating the same thing over and over again, it's insanity. Well, yeah, it is insanity. And unfortunately, with us fans, it's kind of got us over a barrel because we're always going to play our season tickets. You know, we just are. You know, we could do what Arsenal do and boycott it. OK, but at the end of the day, Enoch will, will go at some point and Daniel Levy will go at some point. And it's, it's, you're, you have to try and remember that you support the club, regardless of who is unfortunately at the helm at that point. You know, we've, had all, we've also had terrible chairman in the past um, that we all don't agree with. So it's very difficult to differentiate that when tensions are so high, especially at the moment. Um, but I I just think that, ev look, that they're all told to say a certain thing. We know that. So, you know, Jose Mourinho will have been told he's really happy with the squad when he came in. They don't need to add any players. Of course he's going to say that. He's just got the job. Daniel Levy's told him, you have to say that. If he was probably honest, he'd say, oh, my God, like, what are you talking about? But I, I believe that Jose Mourinho was promised some was promised some real investment by Daniel Levy to get 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 you know get the signature. Daniel Levy had always wanted Jose Mourinho. It was kind of a bit of a trophy for himself to go and get a manager he'd always wanted at Spurs, um, and it just was a marriage of convenience for both. I really think you know Jose wanting to have one last shot at the top table in in England, and um, I just, I don't know. My whole thing is is they keep saying that they don't have any money. It, it, it's, it leaves the expectation and the bar very low. And that's why I think they do it most of the time. Yeah, well, I think we obviously need a new manager. We've been turned down by a few. We're seemingly after every manager in the world at the moment. But <laughs> you're, you're then potentially going after, do you want to be our manager? By the way, your best, the best striker in the world is off. So you've got to find another one. But I mean, the issue with that as well is you can't really get a replacement because you need the manager's approval on who the replacement is. 
and they're, they're talking about the summer, aren't they? I mean, Kane, Kane allegedly has said he wants to be moved on by the Euros. That won't happen. But do you think he'll even move? Because it, 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 it's very well he can hand a transfer request in, but he still needs Levy to accept offers. And mm. I think Levy could price him out. I mean, there's talk of Haaland coming, but I think Dortmund will price him out. So if Levy says, well, it's 200 million if you want him, he's got three years left on his contract, you make 200, then he's off. And uh, do you see him going, or do you think Levy will make it really difficult if he hands him I do. I do think he'll go. I, I, I genuinely believe he will go, um, purely for the fact that I don't think Harry will want to be the type of person to hand in a transfer request. You know, he I, he loves the club. We know he loves the club. And it's not something I think that he has taken a decision on this if, if he has lightly. I think that it's come out of pure necessity rather than actually, you know, wanting to, to move away from a club he loves and a fan base that absolutely idolises him. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he needs to win trophies. He deserves to win trophies. And, and that's that. Uh, you raise a good point about the outpricing, and that is always a possibility with Daniel Levy. Um, I think he'll say 150 minimum. I've always said somewhere between 150 and uh, 200 is the thick price. Like I thought that they'd stick on him. So look, if someone comes in and slaps, you know, 170 on the table or 200 on the table, it's very difficult to turn down. I don't believe Daniel Levy would turn that down. My fear is that this will go on the whole summer. Um, and, you know, we'll do it like typical Daniel Levy style, last day of the transfer window, and then we'll be absolutely bollocked for the new season to come because we'll have all this cash with no reinforcements. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think Harry Kane will be the only person going out the door. Obviously, Serge Aurier seems seeming to be to be going as well. I don't think that many people are massively bothered about that. Um, although, I, 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 in fairness, I actually think he was one of the only players that has improved um, under Jose Mourinho in the last, you know, 18 months or so, I actually think he's got a lot better. Um, I think Deli Ali will probably move on. I think Harry Winks will move on. I do. I think Sissoko will move on. I think that we'll see quite a lot of outgoings anyway, um, because, look, we're at this point. We've got a lot of dead wood to shift. Um, we seemingly need the money. We've got to have a new manager come in. Yeah, for, for the first time, I saw Deli Ali play like Deli Ali against Wolves, and I hadn't seen that in about three seasons properly. Um and I think that a lot of what Ryan Mason's doing at the minute is actually putting people in the shop window. And there's a lot of arguing about why is, Joe, why is Eric Dyer still playing? And I can't quite fathom it. Um, but maybe, again, it's just to try and get him to, to play a little bit better at the end of the season and shift him, I'd be hopeful for. Um, you know, what in Nombele, it's strange that he's not playing, but I can't foresee him going anywhere. So, I don't know. I think that whoever comes in, and I haven't got the faintest idea of who it's going to be. I keep thinking to myself, is it going to be a Scott Parker and Ryan Mason double appointment? I think it's um, something like that. It's what? I think it's too early for both of those. Certainly Mason. Yeah. Uh, look, don't get me wrong. I really like Scott Parker. I don't necessarily want him to be my manager. Um, but I'm just trying to... I, I just haven't got a clue. With you know, Like we said, a lot of the, the options that we thought would come in, such as, you know, a Nagelsmann, that option's off the table now. I'd absolutely love Brendan Rodgers, but I've had many debates with Spurs fans. Why would Brendan Rodgers leave Leicester? What a great thing they've got going there. What an amazing chairman, what an amazing board. Um, and recruitment, whoever the re recruitment staff is, are fantastic. Um, and if you weigh it up, you've got much more chance of winning a trophy at Leicester, even prior to the FA Cup, than winning a trophy with Spurs, you know? Um, so they would have been my two candidates I would have really liked to see. Um, I, I just don't know. I'm seeing, obviously, the rumours with Hansi Flick and things like that, but 
I just don't know at this point. It speaks to me, like, other than Tim Sherwood, who went on, like Mason, to be interim manager and then permanent, every manager that we've had has literally been appointed within like a week of the previous manager being fired. And this, to me, just says, I mean, there's rumours, aren't there, that Jose was fired to save money in case he did win the cup. I reckon, and I reckon that was true. I think yeah. that that's a typical... Enoch, Daniel Levy thing to do. Sorry, my dog has just, oh, hello. Hello. He's just popped into the camera. Um, hello. I think that I think that's a typical Daniel Levy move to, to do. I think that, you know, they were probably going to do it anyway. They would have just waited till the, till the summer. But I think they probably thought that there obviously was a clause in there and that if he wins the trophy, then we're going to have to pay him X amount. Um, so I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past him. I don't know if that is true or not, but I I would think it sounds very true and very likely if you look yeah. at oh. our board. Yeah, which which just begs the question: why why even employ him in the first place? <laughs> but I mean, we're being linked with Roberto Martinez and Gareth Southgate. I mean, give, give it to Ryan Mason if you're going to give it to them. Just... Oh yeah, and also the Graham Potter. I see lots of people. I see a lot of people, you know, really pushing the Graham Potter debate. And there's no, it's no disrespect to Brighton. I think Brighton play very nice football. They've played far better than us when we've played them, that's for sure. Um, and I think he's a very nice manager. But again, it's not someone I look at. And I think, is that really where where Spurs want to be? Do they have, does he have the experience? And then you could you could turn it around and say, well, did Pochettino? But I think that we were a very different club when Pochettino took over. Again, I, I think that what Pochettino built and made us all believe, you know, was how good Spurs can be and what Spurs can achieve. You know, if they have the right manager, the right attitude, the right squad, you know, and harmony within that squad. And I think that it's not saying that someone like a Graham Potter or a Roberto Martinez couldn't do it, but I don't think it fills anyone with much, um, what's the word, confidence. Yeah, I, I confidence, but... Because of how they played, right, and then obviously bring some players in. But again, it's it's a rebuild now. I, I don't think we'll get the, the the Joe say the manager who's been there, done it all, and everything like that. I think it will be a manager no. of the lower club. Who then, what, what do you think of the rumours that if he doesn't win League One in with Paris, then uh, Pochettino comes back? That's just going to be hopeful rumours from fans who still love him, right? That I, that is a complete rumour. So as far as I'm aware, look, he, he's he'd be he'd be he'd be mental to come back because. You know, the situation he left the club in, you know, that's at the time it wasn't great. OK, not not by his fault. Like I said, it was, in my opinion, it's purely down to um, the board at that point, you know, and where where he he'd said so many times, like, we need investment. We need investment. Um, and it got to that point where it was too far gone that even he couldn't he couldn't do anything with that squad. Um, and here we are basically with the same squad, another nearly two years later with the same problem. Um, I think with, you know, if he doesn't win League 1 and whatever, I think that it's his first season. They're only like a point behind, aren't they? I think they play tonight or tomorrow um, before Sunday. Um, again, I've seen a bit of the French League. It's um, <laughs> it's not quite it's, it's, it's not quite the Premier League, put it that way. And I think that, it, look, he's come in. He sh they should be walking that league, in my opinion, PSG. Um, I have no doubt if they're there next year, they will anyway. But it's um, it's very difficult to compare the Premier League to Liga. But when you have literally like two games that are difficult per season, it's the, it's the same in La Liga. Like you only really get four or five games that are, that are difficult. Um, you know, probably I'd say Germany is the more competitive one out of any of those, you know, foreign leagues. So 
the Premier League, anyone can be anyone, and that's what's so great about it. But that's what makes it so much more difficult to be successful in it. Yeah, I mean, and then even more difficult if you lose your best striker. But I, I saw a wonderful tweet today, which I, I'd be happy with. Loan him to Man City for a year and then bring him back. He wins his trophies, gets out of his system. <laughs> so that, that will never happen. But, but if he does go, which is either going to be this season or in the next two, I'd say, because he will want to win trophies. I mean, the million dollar quit. Who do you bring in? I mean, people say Mbappe, Haaland, that ain't going to happen. In the Europa in the Europa League, everyone wants to see Haaland <laughs> and Mbappe. I'm sure they're desperate to come to the Europa League. Ings sure. would be a good one. He's, he's probably the kind of natural in terms of a number nine. But he went to Liverpool, struggled. He didn't play that often, which he will play here. But the, the pressure of coming to Tottenham is you're filling Harry Kane's shoes, which are big shoes to fill. And the, 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 the expectation will probably be you hit the ground running because we've lost... I mean, 25 goals plus out of 14 goals that he's 13 goals that he's assisted. So you've really mm. got to hit the ground running. But who would you have in? I don't. I don't know where. I don't even know where I start with that. To be fair, because <laughs> you know, of course, I'd love a Haaland, I'd love an Mbappe. But what you know, let's be realistic. I mean, neither are going to be coming to Tottenham, especially with no Champions League football. If we'd finished fourth, I could see a potential argument for maybe Haaland coming. Um, you know, not Mbappe, but Harlem coming. Um, again, a, the, another problem is wages. We are not going to go and give someone, you know, 250, 300 grand in, in wages as a minimum. We're just not, we're not that type of club. So to attract anyone of top tier level, anyone with massive pedigree in that position, I just can't see it happening unless we completely restructure ourselves, which is just not going to happen. Um, I honestly don't know where we start. I don't. I, I like Danny Ings. I think that'd be, you know, a good shout. It's not Harry Kane. It's not not even close to Harry Kane. Um, but it's a start with someone else bringing as well. If Sonny's there too, um, I just don't know. I really don't. I don't even know where you begin to replace someone that is that is priceless. Yeah. I don't. I, I think we've got a bigger issue as well. I mean, obviously, losing Harry Kane is a huge, huge issue. That then becomes a priority. But since Ericsson left, I know he had a really bad last year, but with, without a playmaker in there, I think Sun struggled a little bit. It, yeah. It's interesting to me that he came alive when Kane was essentially the playmaker. So a playmaker comes in and then Sun comes alive. But, yeah. But, I mean, Ericsson wanted to leave, get rid of him. You don't hang around. You could have got sixty million pounds there. We we drop it down to twenty or whatever. You could have got Fernandez in, a Grealish in, a whoever. And I, I think the way that we're playing is is sit back, sit back, and then try and counter. It's easy to defend mm. against if you're organised, and it puts so much pressure on our defence, which I think that's part of the reason. I mean, some of them are awful as well. <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason why we've been so bad defensively because they're constantly under pressure and. Mentally, that's going to take a um, strain on you. But yeah, I, I, I mean, when you go from playing a totally different way under Pochettino, where you don't, you know, you only focus on your own game and how we play, and, and don't really bother that much with the opposition, to having someone like Jose Mourinho come in, where your whole focus is on the opposition only, um, it's 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 a lot. It's a very big change in your tactics and how you set up and how you view and, and how you view yourself. As a player, but I still believe that you know there are defenses lower down in the league where I think they could defend better than what I've seen as Spurs at times this season. 
Um, and I totally agree with you on the Ericsson thing. I don't think we replaced Ericsson. Again, I think we let it run too long. But it's funny because even when Ericsson was playing, probably playing at 50% of his ability, he still could come on, change a game, pick a pass, get the, you know, get the goal where, it, where it's needed to and, and unlock you know, doors. And I think the thing is we brought in Lo Celso. And I think that Lo Celso was actually originally brought in to fill that role, but he's not that type of a player. He's actually much better when he's, when he's, he's he likes to be deeper. Um, which I, I think that we all read wrong, and I don't know if the club read it wrong, but he's not what we thought he was going to be. And it's not saying I don't like him, but he's not like for like. And I think, again, like you said, we've struggled with that. I think Ndombele is much better when he plays further forward and he can pick a pass. But again, I don't think the midfield's strong enough at the moment to be able to do that. So we have a lot of, I think, square pegs around holes, um, as well as a lot of dead wood. Um, and again, I think the whole thing is, is that we none of us know what's going on. None of us know what, what route we're going to go down next because we don't have a manager. And if you knew what manager was coming, you'd have an idea potentially of what type of football you'll be playing. Um, and I don't necessarily having, have, have an issue with them taking their time on it because I think the Jose was sacking was actually just a bit of a trigger one in terms of how soon on they did it. Um, but I just don't know. I just have no idea how... How, how how or what the manager is going to do, what type of player they're going to want to buy. Um, and the fact that we're not actually linked to anyone in particular either. Only the one that we were was Nagelsmann, and that's long gone. So there's literally been nothing said since that point. No, I, I do wonder, you know, if uh, it's going to be Mason because either people reject us or people are out of our remit, not be out of our means. And they'll just give it to Mason and they're talking to him now about who do you want to replace Kane. But like, do, do you think, I mean, I think we've probably already answered this question, but with Bale, we got a lot of money, had a chance to be, uh, we obviously did better after we came, but a lot of the signings didn't really work out. So we've got a chance to do mm. what Liverpool did after the Coutinho selling. Yes. But then we are in the hands of Steve Hitchin, who deals with transfers, who hates transfer deadline day. What a ridiculous job to get into. And Daniel <laughs> hasn't exactly proved himself good with it. So do, do you think it will be another missed opportunity or do you think the manager will they will listen to them? <laughs> will, will Daniel Levy listen to a manager? What a ridiculous question. I, I, I really hope, and I said this last night on, on Holly's podcast, I said I... Just to play devil's advocate, I really hope that they learn from the past because, like we said, we've seen what Liverpool did with the Coutinho money and how it benefited them massively, actually, from the sale of that one player. Um, and obviously, again, this is not me saying I want Harry to go, but I'm just, you know, just brainstorming here. After what happened with Gareth Bale, bringing in players where only one of them was successful in Christian Eriksen, obviously we still have Eric Lamella. I don't really think that we can say it's a massive success story, but, you know, two Rabonas. Um, I think that, again, if you look at the recruitment, even from back then, you know, I, I'm trying to think who, who brought in. Nasser Chadley, um, Benjamin Stam, we were bringing Stambouli, did we bring in Vlad Kirikes, Ericsson, Paulinho, uh, I can't even think of the other two, Lamella. I felt really sorry for, because that was awful That's scouting. Because he's a box. It was, and, and, and that's that. What look? I'm actually just going to pull up the picture because I need to. I need to see who that last person was. Ah, oh, yeah, Etienne Capoue. Right. So if you look at and, and Soldado, of course. So if you look at who we brought in, you know, none of those people were particularly known. Obviously, Ericsson came from Ajax. Okay, you can probably say we can go out on a limb with that one. Lamella came from Roma. Okay, 
but you have a look at the others and no one you have probably again like and it's funny because i always hate that danny rose did this but danny rose was correct in saying you know you shouldn't actually have to google the people you're signing um and I, i'll never forgive danny rose for you know doing that to pochettino after all the things that pochettino did to get danny rose back playing and actually you know defying the odds against him at the time um, but he was correct in saying that, you know, you shouldn't have to Google the players you're, you're signing. And I think that if Harry goes and if we get 150, 200 million, I think that sometimes less is more. We know we need a centre half. A very good centre half is going to cost you between 50 to 70 million. You know, go and pay the money for it. It is, you know, it's something that is not even optional. It is a requirement now for us, at least one. And I'm, I'd like to, um, you know, you need I, I know Oliver Skip is coming back. Very happy to see what Oliver Skip offers us, but a playmaker. We need a playmaker. So again, go and spend money on that. It's going to cost you a little bit. Put your money into that. And then, of course, you need a striker. And even if with that money you bring in three players, but all three are of great pedigree, that's a start. You know, reinvest it back into the squad well. Because like I said, you'll, you'll get outgoings this summer. You'll get money for Serge Aurier, potentially Deli Ali, potentially Harry Winks, potentially Sissoko, etc., um, so you will get money from your sales as well, which you can also bring in to bring in another right back. Um, you know, I don't think Larissa will be going anywhere because a good keeper is extortionate, um, the money you have to pay. And that's just not an area I think that we can, we can you know, fulfill at this point. I just don't. Um, but if you reinvest that money correctly in good pedigree uh, with three players, two, three, four players, hopefully, if it's stretched that far with 200 million, um, I think that is a start. And sometimes quality is much better than quantity. And I think I'd hope that that is what Spurs, Daniel Levy, Steve Hitchin have learned. Because if I look at who Steve Hitchin's recruited, you know, since he's been there, there's probably about four, there's probably four, five, six players that you could say, OK, they've done well out of probably 30. Um, and that's where the recruitment has to be much better. Yeah, I, I agree. And like you mentioned LaCelso there. I, I, I totally agree. I don't think he's an Everton player. I think I think we've got too many similar players. H Howie Winks, mm. I'll include as well, but his confidence has completely shot to pieces, so he just looks back. Yeah. But him and Dombele and the Celso are all mid and, and Sissoko are all midfielders who want to drive forward. A, a mm. play, you know, playmaker is someone who drops deep, gets the ball, and springs it. It dictates yeah. the play. Which I mean, why we either sold him or didn't replace Dembele, who was. Possibly yeah. the most underrated player we've ever had in my lifetime, anyway. And then Ericsson, I never know. And well, it's, again, it was that thing that they wanted to get some money for him, so they'd rather cash in at twelve million and just say they got something for it than wait. Because, and again, he could have been the difference between you know potentially winning a Champions League final, potentially you know winning in, in an FA Cup or something like that. He, he could have been the difference, but obviously when. Again, it all comes back to you know make not make it not letting people go on a free, and that's precisely why he also made Toby Oliveira sign the extension because he couldn't bear the thought of both Jan Vertonghen and Toby going on a free, you know, in the, in the same summer. Couldn't couldn't bear it. That's why he made him sign the extension. Probably not for footballing reasons, if we're honest. Yeah, I mean, losing Dembele. I mean, the big problem we have at the moment. I mentioned the pressure on the defence is not being able to keep the ball or. or hmm. And Dembele, Kevin De Bruyne, <laughs> Eden Hazard say he's the best one in, in Belgium. And, uh, I mean, surely that says something. But I, I think Ndombele could be that because he's got the ability to keep the ball. But there was one game, I can't remember who it was against. It was one of the ones where we played terribly. I know that doesn't really matter. <laughs> he, he beat 
I think it was Chelsea actually. He beat Mason Mount, I think, looked up for pass, nothing, no one moving, beat him again, looked up. I mean, that that's what we had with Ericsson, with with Sun. Mm. Uh, similar with Kane and Sun now. Sun knows when Kane or Ericsson had the ball, if he's in space, he's bound. Mm. I think Deli Alley has really lost out with Ericsson going. Ericsson came deep, left a massive space in the middle. I think Ali's far, far better off the ball, and I don't think his passing is good enough. But yeah. I think he's going to have a resurgence now. Mourinho out. He played quite well against Wolves, although he still can't pass five metres sometimes. But he played a lot, lot, lot better than I've seen. Do you think that will be a kind of... And he's only 25. Do you think that will be a resurgence, or do you think we will cash in on him or he'll last? I, I think that it's... I think that we'll cash in, personally, on Delhi. I think that... Um, and like, like you said, I thought he played really well against Wolves. Actually, the best I've seen him play in many seasons. Um, he looked a lot more vibrant. He looked he looked much better, more energetic, and um, looked happier as well to, to, to be playing. Uh, but I just think that there comes a point where probably he needs a fresh start, and I think that we need that we need a fresh start too. Um, so I think that I'd be surprised if we didn't cash in because obviously he was off to PSG um, at, at Christmas time, and then obviously Daniel Levy decided he didn't want to sell him. Um, so I think that now, I think that he's had like, a good six months in the shop window. He's had, people know what you're going to get with Deli Ali. Obviously, since Mason's come in, he's played quite a bit more. Um, and I think that he probably would be better for both if, if we just cashed in. I think that sometimes you just need to let go. Do you think that's the same for Winks as well, I think? Yeah, I, I really like Harry Winks. I always really liked Harry. I had really high expectations for him. Um, and again, I think that with Ndombele going, I think that he was developing really well alongside him and learning from him and also under Pochettino. And then obviously Pochettino's gone too. Um, and I think that he's just kind of fell by the wayside a bit, confidence and, you know, knowing when to pick a pass and things like that. Um, so again, I think that'll be another one as much as I didn't particularly want to cash in on it. I think that it will be one that we do cashing on um but again it all entirely depends on who comes in and who's the manager yeah I, I think Winks was probably the biggest casualty in Mourinho coming in you've got Pochettino there who I think was an arm around the shoulder if things don't go right don't worry try again next time Mourinho you do something wrong get out of my sight get out of the team I think yeah that's had a massive effect on him there and you, you saw in the cup final I think Carragher mentioned it he had 10 meters in front of him and he turns around and passes it to Dyer which he said it was lack of courage. I think that's a huge confidence issue. Uh, one midfielder who has been positive this season, we've <laughs> spoken for about half an hour now, negative stuff, um, Hoiberg. And he showed a different side to his game against Wolves. Maybe not as further forward, but picking passes out. But the pass to Kane for the goal was superb. Do, do you yeah, think? I think, I, th I think he's a great, I think he's a great player and actually one that I was totally underwhelmed by when, um, when I heard he was coming. But, I, I like that he is passionate. I like that he uh, will put his body on the line. I think he's a leader. Um, and he doesn't have to be the most skillful player in that role that he does. He just gets and does all the dirty work. And that's I, I like that type of player as well. I'm not afraid to give it hands dirty. But I think that he's not the one that should be picking the passes. I don't think that's actually, I don't think that's his job, personally. I think that maybe when we see Oliver Skip come in, I, I assume Oliver Skip will come in and will play. Um, I think that that's, potentially a role we need to we need to look at if, if it's not going to be skip it needs to be someone else uh, but I don't think that that's Hoiberg's job to be picking passes and scoring goals and doing that he's you know I don't, I don't think that's that's his bag and I don't expect it to be but I like the type of attitude he brings 
you know, to the club. And I think that unfortunately Spurs have had a lack of leaders in the last few years. Um, so him coming in and, and showing that quality, I'm, I'm all for. Yeah, I, I mean, I did think possibly he could be moved further forward than we get a defensive midfielder, but he's been so good in that role. I think he's suffered from a little bit of burnout in the last month or two. Just, I think he played 51 games this season. Mm. It's a bit silly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Wolves didn't really pose much threat other than Adama Traore, who's lightning quick. They're a completely different proposition when Raul Jimenez doesn't play. Hopefully he makes a speedy recovery. He's going for a scan today, I think. But in terms of our season, I mean, Tottenham seasons are roller coasters anyway, and this has been even more ridiculous. We, we were top in November, everyone working together, seemingly on the same page, backing each other up. We lose a couple of games, all of a sudden, wheels come off. What, what do you put that complete slump down to, or do you just think we were top, full stop, because we just, I mean, the table doesn't lie, we were just weren't good enough to stay there? Um, I think that it's a bit of confidence. I think that we weren't particularly playing great, uh, but obviously we were getting results. Um, and I think that they obviously at the time believed in whatever Jose was doing. I think a very good turning point was that game at Anfield just before Christmas, um, you know, where Steven Bergen was through on like through on goal and that, that didn't go in. Um, and of course, we had other opportunities as well to do that um, and, and finish the game. But I think that that was a bit of, I think for me, that's when the heads kind of dropped a bit. Um, and I think they found it really difficult to recover after it. You know, we had Leicester a couple of days later and we just so deflated that game and we lost. Um, and I think we just got ourselves into a bit of a rut. And I think that with Jose, where Jose is so stubborn in the way that he that he wanted to play, um, when things, again, just weren't going our way, we weren't playing well, we weren't getting results. And obviously he wasn't changing anything. His side, he was very adamant, this is how we're going to play. And it only really changed in terms of how he wanted to play after, you know, at Zagreb, really, you know, and and after that, and unfortunately for me, it was too late. We'd already lost, you know, three months in almost of, of the sea of, of since when we kind of slid down from top, um, and it was too late. It was too late to change anything because you know whatever had been said behind closed doors had been said, and obviously started blaming players. And unfortunately, with this whole culture in today's game, you can't blame players even if they deserve the blame. Um, you know there's a way of man managing and I think that players are too airy-fairy in this day and age also maybe Mourinho's approach is a little bit outdated too um and it's unfortunate because there was such high hopes we looked great and looked like everyone was on board and I was I for one was surprised because I wasn't like I said earlier I wasn't wasn't a massive Jose fan but after the documentary I was like you know what I'm going to wipe the slate clean I'm going to give it a go you know at the end of the day he's my is the manager I'm going to get behind him because he's the manager of my club um, and it all just went very sour very, very quickly. Um, and that will just shows you just shows you that it wasn't the right appointment for both sides. And when you're playing negative football, um, a lot of players won't like that. You know, a lot of players won't like it because every time you concede, it's like, well, why are we not changing anything? And there's always been that discussion of he didn't really focus on the attacking side of Spurs game and didn't focus on how what, what they were going to do, just on what the opposition were going to do. And I, I reckon that can probably be disheartening too. And you're so bothered about your opposition that you don't focus on what you have to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I was uh, stupid on here as well. Like in November, I was talking and thinking about like open top, top bus parades in May and <laughs> 
should have known better. But do, do, do you think the negative football would have... The players have come out, Kane and Lovis in particular, saying that Jose didn't ask us to play like that. He asked us to attack. Do, do you think that would have changed if fans were at the stadium? Because the fans would have booed, made their feelings known, and maybe the players would have gone, OK, we've got to try and turn this round. Or do you think... Mm. It would have been, I don't know. It's, it's, I think fans play a massive role. I think, you know, a team we've seen that hugely with is actually West Ham and Liverpool. You know, West Ham have done much better without their fans um, and Liverpool have done far worse without their fans. Um, so I don't, I don't know whether or not it would have made much difference. But like I said, going back to pre-corona, that last game, the atmosphere was so toxic with fans. So I think that in a way it benefited us. But maybe you're right, maybe at a time where... They may have needed a 12th man. The 12th man wasn't actually there um, to, you know, try and like steady the ship in that sense um, and give him a bit of a confidence boost when needed. But you could also look at it that if fans would have been there, would his departure would have come, would it have come sooner? Perhaps um, if, if things hadn't changed. Um, all I know, it's been a very rocky few years for Spurs and now has to they've got to take their time they've got to make the right appointment because i just don't think we can afford to, to to fuck this up again excuse my french there wasn't another way to put it <laughs> yeah. I, I i mean four years isn't a particularly long time in football four years ago we were second in the league undefeated at home and then thinking right okay we, we've got a real good foundation here. we had a real spine throughout the team and like I say, four years isn't a particularly long amount of time and it's completely derailed and we're back onto a rebuild again. I mean, we've got a game against Villa tomorrow. Fans will allow about 10,000, I think. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're going. I, I am. I am going. I'm, I'm, I am one of those 10, lucky 10,000. I will be there. Are, are you uh, taking a Enoch out uh, banner or, or if not, do you expect there to be a lot or do you think <laughs> just be support the team? I am. I want to enjoy Harry's last game. What I expect Harry's last game to be. Um, if there's protests before, I'll fully be involved in them. I'm not going to take an Enoch out banner because I don't think a banner. It might just, in my opinion, I don't think an Enoch out banner is going to do much good um, or make much difference. I think if they're, I, I think the thing is that with the protest that went on on Saturday, um, I was obviously speaking to Holly and, and Stell yesterday from Tottenham Away podcast as well. Um, I think if the, if the Villa game would have stayed as being on Saturday, I think they would have got a bigger turnout. And I think they said there were six, seven hundred people there. But the fact they moved the game to a midweek game and, you know, people had to go down there and there was, there was no reason. There was no players there that, you know, Daniel Levy wasn't there. I think that if it would have had that and I, I would expect if people want to protest, I would have thought to do it on a match day like tomorrow. Um, so I'm, in full, I'm in fully in support of people protesting. I fully agree with everything they're saying. I'd join it, too. Um, but no, I won't be taking a banner into the game. I'm just going to enjoy being a lucky person back, watching another football game before hopefully we're all back come um, August time. Um, and just, you know, give Harry Kane a good old send-off. Uh, how do you see the game going? Do you think it'll be... Because we seem to play under Mason, play quite well and look up for it at home and away from home and just mm. completely the opposite. Do you, do you think we'll be bang at it from the first whistle and try and kill them off early? Or do you... I, th I think we'll play. I think we'll play well. Um, like you, like you said, we've played all right at home. We played quite quite well. Um, I, I think we'll win tomorrow. Um, I don't think we'll win on Sunday. I didn't think we'd win. You know, against um, against Leicester. I don't think we will, especially with fans back in. I don't think we'd, we'd win that one. Um, but I do expect to win this one. Yeah, and there were obviously protests at the weekend, and I got involved. 
I got tweeted on with a lot of other people. There seemed to be a lot of arguments about drunken idiots there and other things mm. like that. But I have no idea what happened, so I'm not going to say what I thought happened. But what got me is that Spurs fans were arguing. <laughs> they were all there to, to against Levy, and now all of a sudden it's Spurs fans against Spurs fans. But again, I have no idea what happened, so I don't really want to anything like that. I, I didn't I wasn't there I didn't go um but from what I heard it was you know a small portion of people were quite drunk the rest were just you know obviously there for the right reason and some people you know some younger fans were getting a little bit rowdy and you know singing stupid songs that hadn't and it just took a bit away from actually what the protest was to be about but as far as I'm aware the pro there is another protest tomorrow which is run by the, the supporters trust yeah. um so I think if anyone wants to rejoin a protest, that's probably the one that you should be looking at to go to. It needs to be peaceful and not like singing. Yeah, I think that the, the Spurs Twitter can be, Twitter in general, and especially Spurs Twitter, because we're, we're a large part of it and, and we see it, can be very, very negative and can be very toxic to each other. And I think that when everyone now has the same goal as to what we want for our club, just stop fighting with each other. It's really just not necessary. You know, respect to people's opinions about how they want to protest, what they want to say at said protest, um, especially when the end goal is that everyone wants the best for our club and everyone wants to get their voice heard. Um, so just, you know, no need to be calling people out for what they do. Just get behind each other because we all have the same end goal. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But like, like I say, I, I just saw the tweets. I didn't see anything about it. And then it turned into an argument, so I don't want to be called to another one. Um, in terms of Kane leaving, do you think that will, I mean, that's, it kind of sets a negative tone in the sense that you're letting your best player go. So in terms of coming in, you, you're not moving in the right direction, you're moving backwards. Do you think that will stop us? Grealish has been mentioned, but do you think Grealish would come if we sold Harry Kane? And we, 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 I mean, he's obviously Villa's main man. I mean, if, if Kane stays here and he comes, he's not Tottenham's main man. But if, if Kane goes and Grealish comes in, could he become the main man? Or do you think he'd still stay at Villa? He's a Villa fan and they're doing well. Um, again, I think that, you know, we were mental that we didn't buy Jack Grealish when we had the chance three three years ago or so. Um, it would have been a fantastic appointment. For me, that is a pretty much an Ericsson like for like in terms of what they can bring to the team and um, what they offer. Um, I think if he's going to be probably triple what we would have paid then now but I think it's worth the money um I think that look we have to we have to accept the fact Harry Kane is probably going to go whether it be now or next year Harry Kane is going to go so I think that while we have again to have a new manager while we're going to have this new rebuild then I I don't know it, it like I said it really depends how you use the money wisely but I'd be very happy to see someone like Jack Grealish come to the club I don't think Harry Kane would affect his decision personally I think that if Tottenham came in for him and you know they said to Villa we're going to need 60 70 million for, for Jack Grealish I think Villa would take it and I think that Jack Grealish would be happy to come yeah I, I think like you said there we had him three years ago 25 million they wanted and he refused to pay more than 23 I don't really understand what two million is when you're paying 23 no idea I mean, it's refusing to go to one pub because it's 20p more expensive for a pint than another pub. It's just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I think he will go this year, unfortunately. And it's his last big contract, Kane, isn't it, really? Well, it depends. I mean, look, he's 27. He's nearly, tw nearly 28, I guess. Um, 
you know, for him to, yeah, I mean, he, he, this this is a big move for him. If he goes to Manchester City, for example, replace Aguero, he'll, oh my God, the amount of goals the guy will score will just be a joke. Um, he'll, he'll get that Alan Shearer title in no time, I believe. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is his big move. He could probably have another one after. He might go to, let's say, Manchester City. Decide at 31, he wants to go elsewhere, go to Madrid, go to Barcelona. I think that he's got, you know, more than one big move in him. But I think this is the move that will probably count the most. I hope what happens, he's, he's obviously going to leave at some point, but he does kind of a Sheringham comes back. Obviously, Sheringham didn't finish his career with us. It was kind of the twilight of his career, but that, that would be good to see. He wins his trophies. He's obviously a Spurs fan, comes back, finishes his career with us. I think that'd be good. And I think fans would uh, welcome him back as well. As long as he doesn't go to oh, Chelsea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as long as, as long as he doesn't go to Chelsea. I, I don't believe he's the type of guy to go to Chelsea, so... I think we might have that on our side. Yeah, I mean, it was just, we never get any peace, Spurs fans, do we? We have a win, which we haven't had for a while, and then literally 48 <laughs> hours later, we're back down in the doldrums again. But, yeah, I was, <laughs> God knows what else will happen. We've got the Euros, obviously. I think this transfer saga is going to go on and on and on all the way through that. And I mean, it would not surprise me if next season he's still playing for us. I think it'll be. A, I think it's going to be a very interesting summer, and I don't think anything will be resolved before the Euros. No. So. I don't either. But yeah, uh, unfortunately, we've run out of time uh, <laughs> at work. I've got to go and actually do some work again. But it's been great talking <laughs> to you. Thanks so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. Uh, before you go, uh, you are on Twitter. If anyone doesn't follow you or, or anything like that, uh, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at Abby underscore Summers on Twitter or on Instagram. It's at Abby Summers. Excellent. Uh, thanks again so much. been great to talk to you. Uh, Pleasure. Nice to meet come you. Come back on again and hopefully it will be in better circumstances to talk about <laughs> horrible news. We hope so. We can only, we can only hope, right? Yeah. Better season ahead. <laughs> thanks so much for watching. Before you go, please make sure you give the like and subscribe buttons a click. Any questions, comments, or any suggestions for future episodes, if you just add those into a comment on the YouTube video. If you're listening to the audio-only podcast, thanks so much for listening. Anyone who wants the audio-only podcast, you can get that at Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your audio podcasts from. Alternatively, if you go to Twitter, at LTalkTottenham, you can find all the information there. I'll be back soon. Until then, come on, you Spurs!